Please turn once more to Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to return to that section of Proverbs chapter 3 that we read earlier. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 to verse 20. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 to verse 20. We're going to look at this portion of God's holy word. These Proverbs penned by Solomon under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. We're going to look at it under this title. The value of heavenly wisdom. The value of heavenly wisdom. We live in a world and a time when there's little wisdom on display. Little wisdom in the world. We live in a time that does not value Wisdom. We see this in our government. Who do not make wise decisions. We see that in the way they communicate and speak. It lacks. And often lacks. Wisdom. We see lack of courage. And conviction. About what the truth even is. They seem to only want power. Rather than a desire to serve the God whom they are to serve. They are ministers of God. We know from experience when we lack wisdom, we suffer. We live in a nation and a time that lacks wisdom. And so it is suffering under the influence of bad choices. The word in Hebrew for wisdom often comes with the idea of skill, experience, things that you often learn from people who are older than yourself. And as a nation, and even the modern church in the West, in so many ways, we lack that skill, and we lack that experience from older generations. And in so many ways, we lack wisdom. The pressure for young people today is to be forever childish. That is the pressure you young people are going to face. There's a, even for younger adults, there is this thing in the world where people are forever young, lacking wisdom and maturity. In the world today, there almost seems to be the goal of parenting Seen as giving children everything that they never had when they were growing up. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Most of us know we've gone through difficult times. It's what we lacked and what we worked hard for often made us who we are. If we got it too easy, we would not have been blessed for such a thing. The role of parenting is not to give us everything in the world all the opportunities in the world or whatever it may be yes parenting you're supposed to give food clothing and shelter and you take care of your children as best you can but there's something far more valuable than all the material things that people so value wisdom there are things that my parents they're not Christians but they have taught me, and years later, I realized the wisdom with which they told me. 
I wish I learned that when I was a lot younger. The best thing you can pass on from generation to generation is not money, it is not property, it is your wisdom. We need to learn from previous generations that we would become adults. To become an adult is not your age. To become an adult is about maturity and skill and experience. Where is the greatest source of wisdom we will ever have in this world? The word of God. And we come to him this evening who is wisdom. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in the scientists. It's not in the great philosophers of this world. Wisdom is found in the Holy Scriptures. Wisdom is found in trusting Jesus Christ. It is here in his word. Because he is truth. He is wisdom. And dear Christians. Followers of heavenly wisdom. That's what we are. As believers in Jesus Christ. Do we see how valuable that wisdom is? What it's worth. How it's worth far more than anything in this world. And may the Lord bless us as we look at these verses. Seeing how valuable heavenly wisdom truly is. Our first point that we're going to look at here this evening is more important than worldly pleasures. More important than worldly pleasures. Verses 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Heavenly wisdom is more important than worldly Pleasures. We must as people. As believers in Jesus Christ. Not be ruled. By our pleasures. Or put it another way. We must not be seeking. An easy life. Simply to avoid. Any difficulties. Solomon. The great and wise king that he was. He was given. This wisdom from God. The reason he was able to write. This, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is because God gave him that wisdom. And he sought it from God. Life is not easy. It is not easy. In fact, for various reasons, we suffer in the world. We suffer because this is a sinful, fallen world. That's why we suffer. We have spiritual enemies. We've had spiritual enemies as part of the seed of the woman, talked about in Genesis 3.15, and there's the seed of the serpent. There's that enmity, there's difficulty, there's strife. But we also suffer, as we see in this proverb, to drive us away from our own source of folly and lack of wisdom. We all, by nature, do we... Have wisdom by nature? Or are we foolish by nature? See many people in the world will think. When a baby is born. They're like a blank page. And then later. 
It's only later that they become bad. It's the, it's the influences. It's the environment that's creating the evil. There can be a certain element of truth in that. But it's not the full story. We come out of the womb. By nature. Foolish. All of us. And we have been brought out of the womb. Because we've been conceived in iniquity. It says this in Psalm 51 and verse In Psalm number 51 verse 5. Behold, David writes, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Sin is the height of folly. It is lacking wisdom. And so we come not as a blank page into this world. We come as sinners. We come as those lacking wisdom. We come out of the room, the womb, foolish. So without God, what happens to us? If we don't have God in this world, what will, what will we be given over to? Left, we will be to our earthly pleasures and desires. And we see many examples of this, don't we? We see politicians. We see rulers of this world given to their own selfish Desires. Why? Because they're without God. And but for the grace of God. There go we. We are of like passions as they are. You see. Friends. To be given over to your own. Lusts and pleasures. Is really the wrath of God. To be given over. To what we want to do. Talks about this in Romans 1 verse 25. Romans 1 and verse 24. It says this. About the Lord giving people over. Verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Through the lusts of their own heart. To be dishonored in their own bodies between themselves. There's almost a sense of. In God's displeasure, these people, I want to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. Okay, you can have it. And that's actually horrible. It's giving yourself over to foolishness. But, as we see in our text, God loves his children. And because God loves you, Believer in Christ. He will not leave you. To just follow your own. Pleasures. To follow the flesh. To follow the world. And to follow the devil. My son. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. Sometimes we may misunderstand. The chastening hand of the Lord. In our Christian experience. The difficult trials. When we fall into sin. And we realize certain things happen. The Lord. Wants to bring us away. From our own selves. From our own foolishness. And to bring us toward him. Who is wisdom. Because why? Those pleasures. Those things in the world. That easy life we can sometimes pursue. It's not as important. Is following God. It says in verse 12. For whom the Lord loveth. He correcteth. 
You see, this is a privilege of being a child of God. This is a privilege of being adopted by God. If you are in God's family, if you are part of his royal household, then there is a great privilege. See, we can misunderstand it. We can go through trials in this world. We, can, we lack a lot of the comforts maybe other people will outside of the church. And we wonder, why is this happening? Why is that person seem to have such an easy time of it? But as Solomon writes, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. We have to think as well as Solomon points out here. What does a loving parent do when their child plays with fire? You have an open fire and your child reaches and tries to touch something that's very, very dangerous. Will we leave the child to do whatever they want? No, we would intervene. We would take the child away from that thing which is causing harm. We may even have to discipline them if they do it over and over again. So that they don't return to that danger. And that experience for the child can be a chastening experience. It's not pleasant. We don't understand. Sometimes when we're young we don't understand why something is harmful. We want that. And we think, oh my parents are being killjoys. And don't allow me to do that thing that looks so much fun. But they understand far more the dangers than you do at a young age. But it's a chastening experience. It's a painful experience at times. If you've been disciplined, it's chastening. It's painful. But it's far better to learn from it. A loving parent disciplines his child. A loving parent. A loving parent doesn't want to see the child continue to play with fire. Because to play with sin is to play with fire. It is to play with the instrument of hell. Sin is a serious thing. Because if we let it fester in the home, take that piece of coal out of the fireplace if the fire guard's not up and it jumps out what could happen it could burn the whole place down sin destroys sin brings weakness sin brings departure from the safety of the Lord and when our parents chasten us and correct us they do it because they love us how much more our heavenly father and the experience for the believer in Jesus Christ at that time is not going to be easy comfort and easiness is going to be robbed from your experience you could say but it is for your good to bring you away from whatever that thing was that was drawing you away from the Lord drawing you away from wisdom And bringing you back to wisdom. So that you see that wisdom is far more important than your earthly comforts. 
Wisdom is far more important than an easy life. God shows his delight in us by doing so. And when we realize the purpose of such things, then we will, as Solomon writes, we will not be weary of his correction. If we realize the purpose of it, the Lord loves us, driving us from ourselves into the arms of Christ. So let us look at our second point now. Number two, more important than worldly prosperity. So this is heavenly wisdom. It is more important than worldly prosperity. Verses 13 to 16. Verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Verse 14 as well, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Worldly prosperity. There are greater riches here to be seen than all the riches of all the empires, of all the rulers that have ever existed. Take all the wealth in all the world and it still does not come close to the riches of the wisdom talked about here. How will you see it with the eye of faith? With the eye of faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes you hear of millionaires and billionaires. I don't know if you've ever watched those things. And people will describe how they amass their fortune. And people marvel and people want to be like them. And some of these people are very clever. Friends, there's something to be really pitied about a person who lives purely for riches that will one day take wings and fly away. They live for it. They never have enough. They have an addiction. And they're never really truly content and satisfied. Because the world may think, oh, they seem to be able to do whatever they want to do. And then they end up being able to do biplanes or whatever they do. And it doesn't satisfy them. Have you ever seen the misery of those who get to the top of the mountain in terms of fame? In terms of money? All these things. And their life seems to crumble around them. Because the world doesn't satisfy. It was never meant to satisfy us. We were created in the image of God. And only God alone can satisfy us. One time I was watching an interview. And it was a a man who was very wealthy. And he was talking about his time. And he had a difficult time. And he ended up in prison. And And people asked him, how was that time? He actually said he was happier in prison for those three years. This man was not a believer, but a lot of it was to do with a lot of his lusts and the things he would chase after. He could do whatever he wanted. It made him miserable. All the money in the world does not bring you contentment. 
Many people see this, especially when they get all the money and they never find the contentment they expect to have when they reach there. People never have enough. Heavenly wisdom is far more valuable. Far more valuable. But in in the church we can forget how valuable this heavenly wisdom is in the scriptures. How valuable Christ is, who is wisdom. It is found only in Christ. Verse 13 says this, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Now the natural, carnal, fallen man, the man who's still in Adam, has not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, lacks this happy character we're talking about here in our text, verse 13. Happy is the man. Or it could also be translated blessed. Sometimes it is in other parts of the scriptures. In Psalm 1 verse 1, and we sung it earlier. In Psalm 1 and verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And that word blessed is the exact same Hebrew word used here for happy and the blessed delight that this blessed man has is in the law of the Lord it's in righteousness it's in wisdom it's in truth these are the things the blessed man delights in and he shuns unrighteousness this is what it means to be happy in the way the scriptures describe it the wisdom of this world What does that produce? Well, Solomon experienced this as well. Solomon knew many things. And Solomon could write this in the book of Ecclesiastes. Most likely at the end of his life. Near the end of his life. And he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 18. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. To follow the valuable riches of heavenly wisdom. It's going to require that you turn your back on the riches of this world. It will cost you. To follow Christ has cost you. It will cost you. It will go on to cost you. To be a Christian does not mean being as rich as you could possibly be. There's nothing wrong with having Wealth of a certain amount. But it is not something to live for. But in following Christ in various different ways. It will cost you. It costs all true followers in various different ways. You may not have considered. How much it has already cost you. But to follow Christ it costs. But what we gain is far better than anything we have turned our back on. What we have turned our back on. Will one day become dust and ashes. What we embrace is forever and ever. True and lasting riches. Verse 14 once again. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. And the gain thereof than fine gold. It's not just that it's a little bit better than gold. The point of it is not just. Oh well is it better than platinum. Which is worth more at this moment in time. What's more valuable in the world than silver and in gold? 
Well, then, the comparisons are being made here. There is nothing in this world as valuable as heavenly wisdom. Nothing. Can you put a value on Christ? That value is infinite. Anything you see in this world, combine it all together. You could take the greatest ocean, empty it of water, fill it with gold, and still this wisdom would be far more valuable. This is the wisdom that Solomon writes of here. It is of greater value than gold and silver, anything we see around us. And for the Christian, do you value this wisdom? Do you value it? It is here in front of us. Or do we chase uncertain riches? You see, you may believe in Jesus Christ. But so often the riches of this world. Trying to keep up a certain way of living. That everybody else in the world thinks you need to do. But the greatest thing to live for is Christ. In verse 15 it says this. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things All the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. That's how much she is worth. Wisdom. What do you desire? See, we are really not to desire anything more than Christ. Anything more than Christ. And if anything comes more important than Christ, whatever it is, it's an idol. And it brings us away from wisdom. Foolishness. Our culture is filled with idols today. Our churches are filled with idols. Our schools are filled with idols. When we depart away from heavenly wisdom, we will go towards idolatry. We need to return in our land, in our hearts, to the heavenly wisdom. Which money cannot buy. Money cannot buy. Something I've noticed over the years. When people get sick. Even rich people. They say this. I would give it all up. They might be multi-billionaires. Whatever it is. I would give it all up. For my health. They would. They would happily give up every single penny. For another year. For another two years. Whatever it is. They see that their health is worth far more than the money that they've amassed. What about spiritual health? What about spiritual life? So we've looked there at worldly prosperity. Now we're going to look at how it's more important than worldly peace. Worldly peace in verses 16 and 17 which reads. Length of days is in her right hand. And in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. More important than worldly peace is heavenly wisdom. To have this heavenly wisdom is to have life. If you've embraced wisdom, you've embraced life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning Of wisdom. We all want peace. We all desire it. And people all over the world. Who do not know Christ. 
lack peace. And they all want different types of peace. Sometimes they look for peace in their own minds. Sometimes they look for peace maybe in their families. Political peace and other things. And so often to get to that peace that they're looking for in this world, they will devalue the truth and set it aside to attain this short-lived, temporary peace. Since the fall, since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, since that enmity between those two seeds, there have been short moments of temporary, short-lived peace. But never true and lasting peace that the Lord Jesus Christ will bring in when he returns. And when righteousness will reign in the new heavens and the new earth. Never that peace. Wisdom brings us, you see, to the tree of life. It says in verse 18, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. Wisdom, this peace returns us to that eternal life which we've been barred out from. Sin and this world brought us away from the tree of life. If we look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's the tree of life. And then at the end of Genesis chapter 3. Because of sin and rebellion against God. Man has been driven from the presence of the tree of life. Verse 24 of chapter 3 of Genesis. So he drove out the man. And placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way of the tree of life. Before access to the tree of life was through them continuing to obey the law of God. They didn't. They partook of the, of the fruit of the tree Of the knowledge of good and evil. They broke the law of God. So that route. That way to the tree of life was closed. Someone else would have to keep the law of God perfectly. The first Adam failed. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is wisdom, kept the law And made access to the tree of life once more. It's why it says here. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. A wise heart. A loving heart looks to Jesus Christ. Wisdom trusts in Jesus Christ. He brings us access to life itself. And this picture is used in. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. In Revelation and chapter 2 and verse 7. It says this 
he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. See this picture being shown here. And to him that overcometh, how do we overcome? In Jesus Christ. We overcome in him. And we have been given peace. We have been given access to that peace of the garden once more. Before we're sent out. War is all around. Enmity is all around because of sin. What value would we put on this peace? By wisdom this peace purchased by Christ. We regain what was lost and far more. And far, far more. The peace of paradise. The world promises peace. The world promises peace in many different ways. Promises of happiness and various other things. But it always disappoints. And I genuinely do feel for these people. There are young people being told, well, that torment that they're going through in their minds, well, that will all go if they will just change their genders. And many of them figure this out, that it's a lie when they've gone so far into harming themselves. The devil does not care about image bearers of God. And he has many spokesmen. His advice, his foolish advice, harms people. It does not bring peace. It brings more torment. Perhaps you are weary here this evening and you're weary of the war of this world. We can become weary, all of us. We long for that perfect peace to come as believers in Jesus Christ. But sometimes in our weariness and our tiredness of fighting, we just go, I don't want to deal with that anymore. And we end up surrendering more and more ground to the enemy in our weariness. We do not wish for more fighting. Seek heavenly wisdom. We read it earlier in James chapter 3. Seek the wisdom which is above. Now if we can at all, we are to live at peace. If we can, without sacrificing the truth, we are to live at peace. Paul writes to the Romans to that effect. Romans chapter 12. In Romans and chapter 12, and verses 17 and 18, Paul writes, Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That is heavenly wisdom. But sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes we wish to follow heavenly wisdom. And there is opposition. There is challenge. But don't seek for temporary peace. Because the greater peace is in the future. That lasting peace. That eternal Sabbath 
I pray that you had a peaceful and restful Sabbath day. Finding rest in Jesus Christ. There's coming an eternal Sabbath. When we leave this earth. Perfect rest. Perfect peace. Perfect joy. And in the presence of the one who is perfect wisdom. Our final point, number four, is more important than worldly power. More important than worldly power, verses 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. We're so often... In awe of what clever men can do. On July 20th, 1969, man first walked on the moon. When that happened, 500 million people watched this event on television. This is back in the 1960s. And the awe of this achievement... The greatest thing that man can do is so infinitely small, infinitesimally small compared to the power of God. There's a greater power and wisdom here with God. Verse 19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. It is God's wisdom. We may be able to do certain things here and there, aided by God and enabled by God. But it is the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Can we do such things with our wisdom. And the wisdom of this world. The Lord by his own self. By his own power. By his own might and truth. It is only God can say. Let there be light. And there was light. You see we think we're so powerful. We think we're so strong. But compared to God, we have no power. We are completely helpless. God speaks. And it is so. The stars, the moon, they all obey God. The oceans, they come this far and no further. Everything, everything obeys the voice of God. The thing that we have to ask ourselves is by God's grace will we. Will we? His wisdom is infinitely powerful. Man makes many powerful weapons, don't they? And during the last hundred years, we have seen with devastating methods that they have used for harming and killing each other. And they can often shake us and scare us. But whether it be the atomic bomb or whatever other weapons are used in this world, they are not nearly as powerful. That You see those blasts from the atomic bomb in the Second World War? You almost shake when you see the blast. But it is nothing compared to the power of God. We tremble at such small things. Do we tremble at the infinite God? And also look around you. This is, I don't know if this is one of the most beautiful parts of the world. I really do mean that. 
the mountains, the valleys, uh, everything about it. We are surrounded here by so many reminders of the skill and the wisdom of God. Imagine people coming to some part you know, to hear and then saying, "Oh yeah, there is no God." Young people, what would you say if someone said to you, "Oh, there's that created itself," or that was always there? Now it shows the wisdom of the one who made it. If you look at the chairs and the pews, you see the skill of the one who made that chair that you're sitting on. You're thankful for it. We don't fall back. You see the skill and the power of God as you look at the sky. The heavens declare the glory of God. And it showeth his handiwork. That power is the power we follow when we listen to God. His wisdom. His truth. Because if we go with our own wisdom, our own way, it is weak. And what will it lead to? It won't last. But God's wisdom will. As we said earlier, the world lacks wisdom. And I think even the world outside of the church sees this too. They are amazed that you can ask a politician... And they don't even know what a woman is. That's where we are today. But how can it change? Can it change by political means? Can it change by the wisdom of this world? Only the wisdom of God. Many people would like our nation to change and all these things. But the answer is right here. The answer is the truth. The answer is those hours spent with your children. Sharing the next generation. Passing on wisdom and knowledge. That's the answer. The truth is right here. It is by ourselves. In our lives. In our, whatever we do. Turning to wisdom. Away from ourselves. Perhaps. And as we're speaking here this evening, you've been distracted by the world. Return to the wisdom of God. Return to Him. Because when you return to the wisdom of God, or when you turn to the wisdom of God, you turn to heavenly pleasure. Away from earthly pleasures. You turn to heavenly prosperity. Everlasting riches. Glory. You turn away from the peace of this world to the peace of the world to come. You turn away from the feeble power of our own means. And you look to the power of God. That is the value of wisdom. Heavenly wisdom. May we give him all the praise. All the honor. And all the glory this evening. Amen. Let us